Hi, I'm Brian. And I'm Michaela. And this is Drink the Movies. A podcast where each week we try to recreate a classic movie drink and discuss the movie that inspired it. Thanks for joining us. Now let's drink the movies. Well, hello and welcome to episode 114 of Drink the Movies. I'm Brian here as always with Michaela. And Michaela, we have made it back from sunny Florida. We got some rest and relaxation time in. Uh, We had a bit of a crisis when we were thinking about all of the Oscar films we had to watch. But that's okay because there are some classics that, you know, just deserve your attention. No matter what time of year, no matter what you have going on. And one of those is The Fugitive. Uh, of course, that's what we're going to be talking about today. But one of the other ones, it's it's a movie that you should just, you know, periodically watch. Like every every two or three months, just put this on. You're going to have a great time. Uh, we covered it on an episode. Made one of our favorite cocktails ever. It's called The Miracle Pill. But The Princess Bride, that's a movie you should watch all the time. And I think you might have just watched that. Is that true? Yeah, that is true. That is true. I, I did. And I watched it in a theater, um, like an like a stage theater that oh. put a big screen up. Um, in Newton, North Carolina, of all places. I don't know why. As you they do. Think, as you I, do. You know, it was really special because uh, Carrie Elwes, who is uh, the man in black or a.k.a. Wesley, a.k.a. the Dread Pirate Roberts. He was there um, to do oh. like a question answer session afterwards. And then I was really excited because I got to meet him and gush all over how amazing he is and you know he's been on a lot of films um he's his career has spanned you know 40 years almost mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. he's obviously maybe maybe mostly well known for this film uh that had its 35th anniversary uh last year which was the princess bride but, but he's done horror he was in saw he's done um some really fun comedies he's done shows he's done he was in marvelous mrs mazel he's gonna be in the new action mission impossible that's coming out and he was in robin hood men in tights he was in robin hood men in tights which is which is really hilarious and funny Um, he was in one of my favorite philip seymour hoffman films of all time twister um and he tells amazing stories he has a book out called as you wish and it's about the making of the film and his stories with andre the giant and mandy patinkin and rob reiner and all of these amazing um character actors you yeah he's obviously billy crystal's in it and he's got these all these great kind of vignette stories and so it was really cool to hear him talk about them firsthand and he is just a very very sweet person and i never got to meet him uh until this weekend and that was amazing and i totally gushed a little bit i did talk about the podcast in like three seconds and Mm. uh you know so we're just waiting mr (laughs) elwes if you're listening you were amazing thank you so much for being so nice to me and yeah well i Uh cried Basically. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, we covered that. If you want to go back and listen to it, it was episode seven. So we were we were pretty we were pretty fresh into the podcast game then. Yeah. Uh, so, so maybe the podcast wasn't that good, but the cocktail was very good. It was called the Miracle Pill. It had coffee and chocolate, um, amaretto. Uh it was delicious. So definitely go give it a check out, even if you're just gonna be making up that cocktail and watching the movie. So uh yeah, that is some fun stuff. And like I said, Michaela, today we were talking about the fugitive, a classic uh film from the nineties. Uh uh, played a big played a big part in uh, American sort of uh, kind of action crime uh, dramas going forward for that that time period. So why don't we do this? Let's take a quick break and we're going to be back uh, with a cocktail uh, to drink in homage uh, to the fugitive uh, Dr. Kimball himself. So we'll take a break and we'll be right back. 
So this week's cocktail comes from one of our favorites, Cinema Sips. Yay! I love that. Um, so if you <laughs> if you yeah. if you're new to the Drink of the Movies family, uh, welcome. Pull up a chair. Uh, pull up a shaker. Um, we have a lot of friends that we have met uh, while coursing the internet and making up cocktail ingredients and making up cocktail recipes and all that. So um, one of our favorites is Cinema Sips. If you've not gone to their website, it's amazing. Um, mm-hmm. They, uh, I think uh, she just put out a book so you mm-hmm. can yep. pre-order. Um, and uh, this, this, Liz is a woman after my own heart. We've never actually met, but Liz, I love you. Um, she she does all these amazing uh, movies and cocktails, and it's just a really really fun blog. I love it so much. We recommend it here at Drink the Movies, and uh, but we don't we don't want to use it too much. Uh, but this one was just too good to pass up, and um, it is. One of my favorite movies is The Fugitive. And so one of the, when we started looking, this kept coming up on our search as we were kind of coursing the world. And um, I think it really does justice and um, to to the film and uh, to the relationship really between Tommy Lee Jones and Harrison Ford. And it's called The Manhunt. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. So the last time we used a Cinema Sips recipe uh, was for another Harrison Ford uh, movie, uh, Working Girl. So uh, maybe maybe I think you just have a thing for cocktails and Harrison Ford, Michaela. I think that is is really, really what it's what it's about here today. And Harrison Ford is donning a a very lovely beard at the beginning of of this movie. So uh, what what could be wrong with that for sure? But yeah, let's talk about this cocktail a little bit. Uh, the Manhunt. Uh, it's going to be uh, pretty simple to put together. You're just going to put this into a shaker tin with some Nice. Uh, just put all these ingredients in there give it a little swoosh, dump it out into your glass, put a cherry on top, and you are good to go. But uh, this one's dead simple, Michaela. Uh, probably stuff you already have. Two ounces of Jameson, uh, four dashes of lemon juice, uh, question mark. We're going to come back to that. One teaspoon of granulated sugar and a little bit of a splash of some sparkling water, club soda, uh, you know, whatever you have. If you have some flavored uh, sparkling water, you could probably use that too um, if you wanted to. It's just going to give it a little bit of effervescence, kind of break up that sugar, give it something to dissolve into a little bit. Stir it up, pour it into your glass, drink it up, and away you go. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, let's let's talk about this. So I, uh, I made this uh, on my own. We weren't able to make this one together. So uh, luckily, I we had all the ingredients. Um, love the simplicity of it. Uh, I didn't know what four dashes of lemon was. So I, I basically took my lemon juicer and I just shook it four times into mm. the shaker. And uh, I don't know. I think that ended up being like a teaspoon of lemon juice. I'm I'm not real sure. But um, this this drink was uh, real strong um, at first. When I took my first sip, I was like, oh, this is real bad. I don't like it at all. But I will say that uh, given a little bit of time for the ice to melt, um, what we had is a very layered, very lovely um, kind of velvety, even if that's the right word, um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. kind of a kind of a cocktail is is it's boozy, but not overly so. Um, and by the end of it, man, I really wanted to have a second one. Um, the the cherry, you want to wait until uh, you have that last. I You can eat it first, I guess. But I like to wait because I wanted it to soak up some of the Jameson and and kind of the, the, the sweetness. And so it was very delicious at the end, which is great because there it, it takes the whole movie for everyone to get their just desserts. And so, That's right. yeah. yeah. What did you think of this one? 
Yeah. So uh, same kind of as you. I wasn't I wasn't 100% sure on the lemon juice. I gave a kind of a lemon wedge, just a little half squeeze. So I probably used, yeah, somewhere in the neighborhood of a teaspoon and a half, tablespoon, something something like that uh, into mine. And um, I thought it was I thought it was pretty good. It was pretty tart, I thought, from the lemon juice. I don't know if maybe I'd I'd use too much. But like you mentioned, Michaelo, as soon as that ice starts to melt, it all starts to come together. It needs a little bit of that, you know, residual water from from your ice melting to to tie this one together. And I kind of likened this as to like a halfway between an old fashioned uh, that you're making with some sugar and some bitters in your whiskey and a whiskey sour, which is, you know, some lemon juice, some simple syrup, uh, something like that. So so this really, if you think about it, is the perfect drink uh, if you're on the run. You know, you don't have all the ingredients at, at hand. So, you know, you just you throw some lemon in there and you're good to go. It makes a delicious cocktail. And like you said, by the end of this thing, it's all come together uh, just the same way as it does in The Fugitive. So uh, give this one a try. I'll, I might try this uh, same kind of technique with some different types of whiskey. Uh, maybe like a smoky scotch would be good in this or uh, something, you know, with a little bit more fire to it, like a rye whiskey uh, could be good. Cut through that lemon a little bit. So I'm definitely um, excited to check this one out and play around with it a little bit. And uh, thanks again to Cinema Sips for the good recipe. And uh, I don't know, Michaela, I think what we should do probably, um, you know, it's St. Patrick's Day in the Fugitive Land. That's why we're using the Jameson. So let's go grab the bottle. We'll mix up another one or two of these. Let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. Uh, to, to chat about whether it was the one-armed man all along. So we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Spoiler warning for The Fugitive. If you've not yet seen this film, and you don't want us to spoil it for you, then I suggest you press pause. You go watch this movie. It's 130 minutes. Good luck. And you can come back. You can make yourself a manhunt. You're probably going to want to do that at the outset, because by the time you finish... You too will know what happened that fateful night when Dr. Richard Kimball arrived home to find his wife fatally injured by a man with a prosthetic arm. Dun, dun, dun! That's right. What a what a great recap, Michaela. Thank you for that. Um, if you haven't seen it, you've had you've had ample time, and this one got all the accolades. So this one came out in 1993. It was directed by Andrew Davis, and it stars a bearded Harrison Ford as Dr. Richard Kimball and Tommy Lee Jones as the U.S. Marshal, the dogged Samuel Gerard. Um, like I mentioned, Michaela, this was uh, pretty well pretty well received, pretty well critically acclaimed. It was nominated for seven Academy Awards, won one. Tommy Lee Jones, Best Supporting Actor. Good job, Mr. Jones. Uh, but it lost best score, best sound effects, best sound, best film editing, best cinematography, and best picture. Because uh, Steven Spielberg decided that he was going to release Jurassic Park and Schindler's List that year, uh, and they won all of those things. So, yeah, they did, um, and rightfully so. However, this film uh, has a special place in a lot of people's hearts. It is a solid, solid movie, and we're going to talk about it. Um, so, I guess we should begin with uh, sort of the premise. Um, as, as we've said, Harrison Ford is Dr. Richard Kimball. He's a vascular surgeon. And as uh, one of the characters says, uh, that's somebody who makes more money than me. So uh, he um, same, and his wife. Same. Yeah. same, right. He he and his wife were at, a, were at a charity benefit. His wife is played by the absolutely beautiful Cell Award. Um, and they come home. She comes home a little early because he's called into surgery. He gets home. And I love the opening scenes because there's a lot of back and forth of what's what happened prior to Dr. Kimball coming home, what's happening after Dr. Kimball comes home, and then mm -hmm. sort of interspersed, interspersed with those is 
what we think actually happened versus what um what the cops think might have happened uh to his poor wife so dr richard kimball he comes home and his whole story is he comes home there was a man in his house this man had a mechanical arm um and he found his wife dead um they he tried to revive her because he was a doctor and he was unsuccessful and so he's being interviewed at the beginning of this film by these two cops uh from chicago um really they're really unhelpful <laughs> um they're amazing they're yep. amazing at being really unhelpful and um very unempathetic he's uh i think this is not a um this is a very hard role, I think, for to see Harrison Ford in because he's very vulnerable. And mm -hmm. uh, but, um, you know, he really doesn't know how to answer their questions without making himself look really bad because there's a lot of things that don't look great on the outset of this. Right. That's right. Yeah. He's Han Solo. He is Indiana Jones. He's not supposed to be vulnerable, but Harrison Ford is Dr. Richard Kimball in this. And he's absolutely brilliant at it. Um, this movie, it gets opened up. Um, like you said, it's it's really, really cool. So it's got like a bunch of aerial uh, footage of Chicago. It's going over and like you'll hear like these hard hard like musical beats uh this was something that if you watch any uh semi-action movies from the 90s uh it's it's going to be the same thing uh it's the same uh, musical motifs here uh throughout but it's kind of interspersed with these black and white shots of like the actual crime going down and the aerial shots the crime going down and then they're at this gala and and dr richard kimball is at the police station uh he's all scratched up like you said michaela the cops are talking to him and uh boom guilty we uh, we do a lot of true crime um, uh, in our in our own uh, podcast uh, listening, we know that uh, the husband always did it uh, 10 times out of 10. And that's what these cops think. Boom. Dr. Richard Kimball, you are guilty. You are sentenced to uh, the death penalty. Uh, you're on your way. So we've got the whole like setup for this whole story done in the first like three minutes of the movie, because yep. this movie, this movie is not about that. It's not about, uh, you know, Dr. Richard Kimball committing this crime or not. It's not about that. It's about him being pursued. Uh, by one very dogged investigator uh, from the U.S. Marshals Department, uh, one Samuel Gerard, played by Tommy Lee Jones. And we get to that right away, because when you're in your prison transfer uh, on bus or whatever it was, uh, one of the other inmates decides uh, they're done being there, which leaves Dr. Richard Kimball with the option to stay and get run over by a train or to go and try to find this one-armed man. That's right. Um, now... There's a there's a bunch of layers to this, and we're, we'd probably talk for as long as the movie is um, about all the layers because it is a really amazing film for a lot of reasons. But one of the things that keeps coming back is Dr. Mostly Richard Harrison Kimball, Ford's beard is the most reason why it's amazing. That's right. That's why it's so great. Um, <laughs> but one of the things about Dr. Kimball is that he's genuinely a good person. So there's this car crash, the bus is turned over and it's sitting on these tracks and he has to decide whether to save one of the prison guards who, um, you know, is injured um, or and get him out or save himself. And so he decides to drag this prison guard out of the wreckage. And of course, no one sees that, uh, you know, it, it's not it's kind of puzzling for uh, U.S. Marshal Sam Gerard at first when it comes out that you know, it was in fact Dr. Kimball that saved him and not anybody else. Um, but, you know, Sam, U.S. Marshal Sam, he doesn't care. He's got a job and his job is not to know what the truth is. His job is not to uh, find out whether or not he killed his wife uh, and find the person who really did it. His job is to just find this fugitive. And 
Um, so the first couple of days of what happened in this film are really just these kind of chasing uh, scenes with an amazing score behind it around Dr. Kimball figuring out what his next steps are. Now that he's gotten out of this crash that occurs, you know, he's presumed dead by everybody except for uh, Sam. Sam Gerard knows that he's probably still alive. Uh, and he and his team of amazing uh, U.S. deputy marshals kind of are putting checkpoints in place and and Dr. Kimball's running through old fields and he's in he's by a river and he's trying not to fall asleep. And all the all the while he's trying to figure out what his next step is going to be by um, but also maintaining being a genuinely good person. Right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, absolutely. It It's uh, it's pretty great. Kind of this little opening section and you see how. Um, kind of good at his job, I guess Samuel Gerard is, right? He he gets there, he uh, he's like, no, you don't have all of your prisoners accounted for. I know someone's still alive, even though the officers on the scene were like, no, they they all dead, or they're all dead. You know, that train hit the bus. Uh, they all died. Uh, but then they find the shackles, you know, way off in the distance. Uh, and uh, turns out that uh, Samuel Gerard uh, was right all along. He does some quick math in his head. He said he can go, uh, I don't know, four miles an hour, and he's been going for 90 minutes. So uh, that gives him six miles to go. go six miles out we're gonna find this guy and yeah it's a lot of a lot of kind of pursuit and you get kind of that first um you know that big kind of iconic um you know scene from the fugitive whenever people think of the fugitive or you see a picture of the fugitive um it's down in that uh storm drain tunnel which is kind of one of the first place places that dr kimball goes he uh, slides into this uh, storm sewer he's down there and samuel gerard uh, kind of sees that realizes that he went down there and they have their first uh, kind of pursuit and it does you know it really uh, kind of shows us because uh, dr kimball uh, is a good guy because he's able to get the gun uh, from Samuel Gerard. Uh, you know, could have could have shot him, been on his way. Uh, that would have been better for escaping, but but doesn't do that, right? Because he is a, he's a good person. Uh, he is going to uh, you know let that slide and say, you know what, uh, Officer Gerard, I didn't kill my wife. What does Officer Gerard say? I don't care. I don't care if you killed your wife because my job is to arrest you. And that is exactly what's going to happen. Or you're going to throw yourself out of this giant uh, waterfall thing. You're probably going to die. So those are your options, guy. Uh, so what, is, what does uh, Dr. Kimball do? He jumps. He jumps. And it's terrifying. <laughs> There's, I, you know, I, I think I'd probably just turn myself in. Um, and of course, everyone then is like, dude, he's dead. He's fish food. He's there's no way. I mean, it looks like it's a 300 foot drop. It's probably not um, because he does live. Um, but it looks like it's huge. This this kind of it looks like a very small version of the Hoover Dam is what it looks like. And so he, you know, Dr. Kimball ends up being okay. He finds himself in a hospital. Like he goes and sneaks in and uh, he's a doctor. So fixes himself up, tries to get some new clothes and goes back to the city he was from, goes back to Chicago. And Dr. Gerard, and Sam Gerard is telling everyone, look, he's not dead. If he's dead, there's a body. We're gonna find it, and I'm not gonna get. I'm not gonna let this go, and I'm not gonna give it up. But something starts to happen to Sam. Um, I'm not gonna say he starts to care, but it does noodle on him a little bit because he doesn't understand why, if a person was wanted uh, for the murder of their wife, and if they were going to just be captured and put back on death row, why would they go back? to the city that they were from. Why wouldn't they try to go to Mexico or try to go somewhere else? Um, 
and he, it's he starts to uh, reopen the investigation uh, kind of unofficially. So he and his team, um, played by the amazing like Joe Pantoliano's in this in the team, um, L. Scott Caldwell, who's one of my favorite um, characters, Aaron Poole, uh, Johnny Lee Davenport plays uh, the the youngest kind of deputy U.S. Marshal Henry. They kind of start going back through all of the old interviews, all of the old pieces of evidence. Um, they go back to the crime scene because it's only been a year and <clears throat> since the crime actually occurred. And he's trying to understand why he, Dr. Kimball so adamant that he didn't do it. And why, if, if it was this one-armed guy that they can't find and that they have no evidence of at all, what would they do with that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So he's back to Chicago. He is going to be doing some uh, investigating on his own. Dr. Kimball is to try to get to the bottom of this. He knows that he's not guilty. He knows someone else was in that room. Um, and he's a smart guy. He's going to be able to figure this out. Um, and kind of interspersed with this, you get little um, kind of little snippets into uh, his actually running. So um, I've mentioned it a couple of times uh, just because I think it's funny to see Harrison Ford with a beard, but he has this beard uh, that he shaves. And then you'll see him like coloring his hair uh, from like this gray to this darker black. He's basically de-aging himself, uh, which is, which is pretty great. Pretty great. Um, so, uh, you know, to kind of, kind of say on, on the, on the down low a little bit, he's uh, been in, he's uh, stolen some clothes. He's been into the hospital. He's uh, gotten the hold of a badge from a maintenance guy there because, um, you know, if you're, if you're dealing with a one-armed man who has this prosthetic arm, you're a doctor, you know, that those things are, are pretty, uh, you know, pretty, pretty traceable. You're going to be able to find out who they made that for. Everyone is specific to, you know, each individual person. So maybe, uh, if that person was from Chicago too, maybe we could get back into the hospital and figure out where it came from. Uh, and that's, that's kind of what he's going to do. He's running down some leads. I really like he takes on like this little like cash apartment. Um, and luckily for Dr. Kimball, he has a friend. So we think anyway, Dr. Nichols, one of his one of his doctor colleagues, uh, pays him a visit a couple of times. He gives him some cash to be on his way. Um, Dr. Nichols isn't isn't exactly what he seems, but he seems to be helpful for right now, at least. Yeah, I love the interview where Tommy Lee Jones's character and his kind of entourage of U.S. Marshals go to talk to Dr. Nichols. And he says, hey, you know, we're just here on a routine investigation. You know, this guy's escaped. We're trying to find him. Have you seen him? And he's like, oh, yeah. I saw him this morning and they're like, what? What? <laughs> I mean, he's Sam is like laughing at him. Like, I'm sorry. Uh, and you didn't think to tell us this. And he's like, no, I'm, I, I think he was innocent and I think he's really smart and you're never going to catch him. And I love it because Dr. Uh, Sam looks at his team. He kind of laughs and he says, well, is he smarter than you? Is he as smart as you are? And of course, Dr. Nichols says he's smarter and he's not wrong. Um, it takes a little bit of time uh, for Dr. Kimball to uh, put it all together. Um, and he has some friends uh, still in, in the hospital. Uh, we see a very young, wonderful Jane Lynch. Um, mm. She mm -hmm. is uh, Dr. Kathy Wheeland. And she is, uh, I think she's a pathologist. Uh, he's looking into tissue samples because it turns out that um, the, there was a drug that was, a experimental drug called, uh, RUD 90 that was, and had a name Provasic that they were using for livers or kidneys. And as a vascular surgeon, he was getting a lot of, um, issues with patients that were coming in that were having heavy bleeding in their, uh, in their 
liver. And he um, was looking at that as a possible motive for someone wanting to kill him. And so what uh, Dr. Kathy did, and in her interview, even she said he would never come to me, but I would help him. And he finally does go to her and say, I need you to look at these samples. And she's able to say that, oh, yeah, all of these samples that they're using as a front for uh, the research and a baseline for the research about for this drug that they're trying to uh, go make tons of money off of is all from the same liver. And it's not, it's all a sham and it's not real. And, you know, Harris, Harrison Ford's character, uh, Dr. Kimball was going to, was getting very close to discovering this himself. Um, and so that was the motive behind um, his wife's death. His wife was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. And it's really unfortunate. And that's, but that they, they hired a hitman to uh, make this happen. So you have kind of this, this dual part of the film where you have Sam Gerard doggedly searching for Harrison Ford and then Harrison Ford darkedly searching for the truth. And what I have to say um, is that the score for this film is absolutely amazing. Um, James Newton Howard uh, composed the film's musical score and I, I love it. I love watching it. I love listening to it just because it is so very um, representative of the chase on both of their sides from both of their points of view. And it's really when it comes to a head at the very end, it's like epically done. And I'm not I'm not a music person, but I truly enjoyed the score. And I, I'm really sad that it didn't win for that. But what are you going to do against <laughs> Williams, John Williams. That's you can't you, you can't do anything against John Williams and uh, Schindler's List uh, right. for sure. But um, this is yeah, it is a really great score and it really kind of frames, uh, like you said, kind of that kind of that pursuits and uh, kind of the way that things are going. And as we go kind of through this film, it's um, you mentioned it, it's laid out in a couple of parts, and you know it really starts to come to a head once Doctor Kimball gets back to Chicago. It's it's kind of kind of unfolding in this way where his you know, oath and uh, creed as a doctor um, is going to get him into some trouble and it's going to start leaving some breadcrumbs for uh, Sam to start following a little bit, you know, kind of the close closer the Dr. Kimball gets to figuring out who this one-armed man is, the closer Samuel Gerard is uh, to catching up with Dr. Kimball, right? Because you have to leave some doors open uh, to get through this. So we'd mentioned he's been into the prosthetics lab. He's kind of narrowed it down to these uh, five uh, people who could potentially be the one-armed man. They kind of fit all the criterion for uh, the things that he remembers about that night, and he's going to start tracking them down. But, you know, before he really gets gets into all of that, he is at the hospital, of course, and, you know, there's uh, some sort of trauma has come in. There's a young boy laying there on a gurney. He's not doing good. The doctor uh, apparently uh, doesn't know what he's talking about or uh, has some x-rays of his lungs. Dr. Kimball, uh, that's his jam. He knows what's going on right there. So when, uh, you know, one doctor... Uh, Julianne Moore uh, points at him and says, take this kid to the operating room or whatever. Um, uh, he says, uh, okay, me? All right. So he does and he changes his charts and and things and that tips her off, right? So she's like, uh, that uh, that janitor guy uh, did something with that kid. Who is that guy? Better call the police. And that is going to tip off uh, Samuel Gerard. So now kind of that door is open. Sam knows exactly where he is, what he's doing, what he's up to. And it's up to Dr. Kimball now. It's a race against the clock. It's a race against Gerard. Uh, it's a race race against time because he is running out of minutes yeah and it, it i love that particular scene because he's 
again, not, you know, we, we're not used to seeing Harrison Ford be super vulnerable as, you know, his other kind of more iconic characters perhaps, but he does a really good job of, um, showing us the humanity and it's a kid who's on a gurney he's looks like his chest has been crushed and at first they're like oh he's fine and he's like check the film <laughs> he's like whispering it under his breath because he's watching um i guess there was a huge accident so they're very short staffed um but he's watching them kind of not look at the right stuff and so he ends up saving this young child's life which is really cool um but again, Sam is like, this doesn't make any sense. Why would he come back to the very hospital he worked at? And as they're talking about this, this person um, kind of walks through them, you know, down this hallway and he's missing an arm. And they're like, oh, that's what he's doing. Is he, it, he really thinks that, you know, the person is here. And so they start doing checks and they find uh, this guy named Frederick Sykes. Frederick Sykes is uh, works for a pharmaceutical company. Um, he has one arm. He lives in this really kind of ramshackle apartment, um, but that doesn't matter because Dr. Kimball finds it. He goes in and looks around and then he calls Sam Gerard. <laughs> and at first Sam thinks that it's a joke. And of course uh, he said, you know, Dr. Kimball, to prove it's him, asks what he said to him in that spillway. Uh, and he's like, I, what are you doing? And he says, I found a big piece of a puzzle. And you're, you know, and then he, they think he's going to hang up, but he doesn't hang up. He traces the call. So, of course, then the U.S. Marshals and the police are at Sykes's house and they're questioning him. And Sykes is played by Andreas Katsulas. Um, really great. Uh, really great character because you see that he has also changed his appearance uh, since that night. Um, he looks a little bit different. He's still missing an arm, um, but he's he looks a little different. And he uh, is calling someone and you don't know who it is at first, but he's like, hey, I don't know what's going on, but they came to my house again and uh, they're getting closer. And we find out uh, at this point who that person is. And it's such a shame because Dr. Richard Kimball's one of his only friends uh, has had it in him for the beginning and had orchestrated this entire thing. And that was. Dr. Nichols. Dr. Nichols. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. It was uh, Dr. Nichols all along. Yeah, that's right. He has taken a job on the board of this pharmaceutical company. And when Dr. Richard Kimball uh, is about to throw some cold water on the fire, that is a lot of money for you. Uh, you get upset and you hire a hitman to go and kill him. But uh, bad news, uh, he wasn't there uh, when the hitman showed up, but his wife was. Uh, so ends up, uh, you know, uh, startled by her, uh, kills, kills the wife, kills Helen. That's bad. And Dr. Uh, Dr. Kimball shows up, you know, kind of, kind of at the end of this. And, uh, that's okay. Cause you can pin the murder on him maybe and get away with it. But, uh, don't underestimate Dr. Richard Kimball because he has it all figured out now. And now to, uh, his, uh, uh, benefits i guess samuel gerard has it figured out too uh kimball leaves some pictures open on the desk he puts a bunch of fingerprints on one he's like why are there so many fingerprints on one? Oh, these guys look familiar oh okay uh dr nichols all along let's go uh let's go uh check into that so that's what dr kimball does he goes to this i don't know this hotel or something where they're having some big uh i don't know kind of announcement about how great they are or something uh like <laughs> that and dr dr nichols is is up there uh talking so when dr richard kimball walks in and everyone turns 
turns and is like, oh, that's the that's the doctor guy that, that killed his wife. He's supposed to be in prison. Uh, he's on every newspaper in the whole country right now. What's he doing here? And he's calling him out. He says, Dr. Nichols, uh, you you did this. Why, why'd you do this? Let's go up onto the roof and settle this right now, once and for all, because this is my last shot. They're going to come and arrest me, put me back in jail, uh, death sentence. They don't they don't care. Samuel Gerard already told me he doesn't care if I'm innocent or not. He just wants to put me back in jail. So let's let's go. Uh, let's go uh, in this thing right now. That's right. And that's the only thing I think if I were to critique this film from here to the end takes a little bit too long for my liking. There's a lot of back and forth between um, Dr. Kimball and Dr. Nichols, right? Dr. Nichols is played by Jerome Crabbe. Um, I'm hoping I said your last name right, sir. You're amazing. Um, never plays a nice guy, this this guy. Um, and always does it super well. Um, it's got to be done. And and Dr. Nichols, man, he's so calm and calculating and awful. And he just gets so mad at Dr. Kimball. He's like, you just never give up. Why didn't you just give up? Like, you just you just needed to go to jail and stay there. And, well, yeah. um, and he is so great because he said he never plays. He always plays a bad guy, never a good guy. But you think he's a good guy up until kind of this very end. It's a, it's exactly. a really good bait and switch. He seems like a very good friend, very, very willing to help uh, Dr. Kimball you know comes comes up to him at his car he's uh, here take you know i don't have a lot of money but here take this money that'll that'll help you go on your way he's very upfront with the police about yeah he was here and i helped him and he's my friend and he's smarter than you and <laughs> yeah totally and so that, you're and that, you're definitely it, yeah you're definitely on uh team team nichols until you realize that he's the one who uh he borrowed Dr. Kimball's car that night. And so that, and that he had the keys. That's why there was no forced entry. I mean, all of the things that they use, and we talk about, uh, you mentioned it before, where we listen to a lot of true crime, all the things that they used as evidence to point the finger at Harrison Ford. Um, you know, there was no fingerprints. There was no other DNA. There was, there was no forced entry. Um, she was even more rich than he was, even though he was a doctor and probably made buku money. I mean, all of these things were used against him and it was because he trusted his friend and his friend knew, would know that this is how that would go down. And so um, the good thing is Sam knows it too. And Sam and Sam's team are also kind of on this rooftop looking for both of them. Uh, Sam, I love this exchange between the the two of them as they're kind of hiding from each other and searching for each other. Uh, Sam says, hey, I know you didn't kill your wife. I know. I know it was Nichols. I know how it was done. I know everything. But um, you got to come out <laughs> because somebody else is going to get hurt. Um, and so uh, they end up and again, Harrison Ford has the opportunity as Dr. Richard Kimball to kill Nichols, and he doesn't. He just, you know, incapacitates him. Uh, again, this first do no harm kind of oath that he keeps um, over and over. He keeps up, he, you know, he keeps up his end of it. And uh, it's really pretty special because at the end, uh, you know, it's pandemonium at this uh, I think it's a Hilton, um, you know, all the doctors at this conference, they're all shocked and awed. Um, yeah. Dr. Nichols is taken away in cuffs and he's all bleeding and gross. And um, poor Joe Pantaliamo's character, he's like, he, he took like a giant brick to the face or something. And so he's going away in an ambulance. And Tommy Lee Jones's character, Sam Marshall, is taking uh, Dr. Kimball to the police uh, car. And of course, he's all bandaged up. He looks awful. Dr. Kimball does. And uh, I love the very final scene because Sam hands him these ice packs for his hands. And Dr. Kimball says, I thought you didn't care. 
And he kind of smiles and Sam says, I don't, but uh, don't tell anybody. Okay. <laughs> like <laughs> this is our secret. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Samuel Gerard is a, uh, is a consummate professional uh, through and through all the way to the end. But yeah, again, uh, in that last scene there, right. Uh, Dr. Nichols has the, uh, the chance, I guess, to, to shoot our U S Marshal, but, but uh, is not able to do so because, uh, Dr. Kimball gets to him, gets to him first there. And, and yeah, hopefully you think now that everything is going to work out to a okay for Dr. Richard Kimball. It was the one armed man. After all, he was telling the truth the whole time. Uh, but no one believed, no one believed him until the very end. He had to, he had to do a lot of, uh, dogged pursuit to, uh, or a lot of, a lot of his own investigating to, uh, to clear his name. So, uh, kudos to you, uh, sir, Dr. Richard Kimball and, uh, kudos to this film because it is, uh, it, it's, one of the greats it's it's one of the great films uh kind of of all time it's one of one of the films like instantly whenever i i put this on or see it like it it transports me back like there's something very like like early mid 90s about it like in the way that it looks and feels it's very uh transformative about that it does have one kind of continuity error you would never be able to rent out a whole hotel for your thing in uh st patrick's day weekend in chicago can't do it there's like 10 nope. million people go to chicago that weekend Absolutely uh they've been nope. they show the they show the river being green it's pretty awesome uh but yeah you, you can't do that st patrick's day weekend set it on a different weekend and maybe they did in the tv show right so this was uh created uh from a tv show back in 1963 uh apparently also very good i've not ever seen the tv show have you ever seen the tv show i have not i have not okay so apparently it won a lot of um uh, a lot of awards it was really uh well received and then obviously this one uh got some awards as well and it spawned some other things there have been a couple of their uh fugitive kind of kind of series mini series uh kinds of things that haven't done particularly well um it spawned another movie called u.s marshals uh that stars uh tommy lee jones uh back to uh you know recreate his role as Samuel Gerard. Uh that did okay. Um, you know, it wasn't it wasn't great. It wasn't, you know, up to the level of this, but it was it was good enough. I think Wesley Snipes was in it. Um I don't yep. remember it that I don't remember it that well, but Robert Downey Jr. is in it as well, and that's pretty awesome. Um, oh, Iron Man. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Back in the day. And so yeah, this this is almost a perfect film. Um there are a couple of things that bother me. Yeah, the continuity about uh <laughs> that you mentioned where, you know, they uh, how and today you would never have that. I don't think since COVID we've had a uh, I've seen any sort of convention where doctors get together to talk about how great they are. Um, <laughs> I, I think now they're too busy or something. I, I don't know, but it's a bad book to do it now. Bad maybe, book. maybe they don't, maybe they don't do that anymore. I don't know. Um, but there's a couple of things. Um, one thing that always bothered me that I think that is very real that they leave in this and it, it bothers me because it's, it's probable that it could happen in real life is they listen to the 911 call, uh, that, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Mrs. Kimball gives, uh, because she, she's killed because she's shot, but she's also bludgeoned to death with like a like a like paperweight, paperweight or something yeah. um, in the back of her head. And both of those things, uh, first of all, her, her, the, the gun is her husband's gun. Um, it's registered in his name and she thinks she's going to use it as self-defense and that's not what happens. And now she's dead and that's really bad, but um, she makes a 911 call and they use the 911 call um, against uh, Dr. Kimball in as, you know, kind of a witness testimony um, after the fact. So one of the things that I think is so, haunting and uh and that shows throughout that haunts him dr kimball 
is she's saying that someone's in the house and he's trying to kill her. And at the end, she says, Richard is trying to kill me. And you don't really know if she's saying, Richard, he's trying to kill me, like someone else is trying to kill me, or if she's talking uh, to him and saying, can you help me because someone is here and you need to come home or you need to come upstairs because she can hear him downstairs. It's really heartbreaking um, because there are there are probably people, uh, well, we know this, right? We don't have a perfect court system, clearly. Um, and there are people that are probably sitting on death row doing you know doing time that they shouldn't be doing uh for something like that that's either been taken out of context or something and this film doesn't really talk about like the you know kind of the the greater good that could come out of uh really doing a good investigation or reinvestigating something where someone is going to death row but i do remember thinking that in 1993 when i saw this that hmm. you know for for these types of crimes where we're going to make a decision where we're going to end another person's life as a as a as a punishment for them doing a crime. I'm not saying I'm I'm pro or against that, but I do think that it's a it this is a really good example, uh, albeit a fictional one, of when the system gets it wrong. And so yeah. you want to make sure to have, you know, because at the end of the day, all of that evidence was explainable. All of it. Um Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And um you bring up the kind of the point that's not really what this movie is about. Um, just back in um, uh, just a few episodes uh, back, just a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about Shawshank Redemption, and that's the right. same kind of thing. It's it's not really a movie that's about the crime or about the justice system, um, so to speak. This this story here, The Fugitive, is really more of kind of a I don't know. It's it's a cat and mouse story. Um, it's a it's kind of a, a commitment to your your duty uh, story uh, more so than it is, you know, a, really a story about crime and punishment, uh, so to speak, is, you know, it's mm -hmm. really it's really kind of this relationship that Samuel Gerard and uh, Dr. Richard Kimball uh, come to cultivate over this over this thing as, uh, you know, adversaries and uh, ultimately to some sort of some sort of uh, level of respect that they get. And as I see as the way I see it is, you know, Samuel Gerard is really coming to kind of respect Richard Kimball for, you know, doing the right thing kind of at every every turn, despite, you know, kind of the consequences that he's facing for something that he did or, or didn't do. So um, that's kind of the way I uh, see it anyway. So, Michaela, you mentioned that this was, you know, one of your favorites. It came out in 1993. You just alluded to the fact that you saw it in 93. It's rated right PG-13. We were, we were right about that age for this to be uh, something that we would have seen back then is... Uh, this uh, did you go and see this at the movie theater? Do you remember seeing it at home? Uh, do you do you remember your first time seeing it? And uh, how I has that changed? Do. I guess in the time, um, in, the, in the years since. In the years since, so I do remember seeing this. Uh, my dad took me to see it. Um, it was rated PG thirteen, but not for um, it's not super violent. It's not super sexually graphic or anything like that. I think that nowadays this might even be PG. I don't know. <laughs> it's, you know, times change. I, I don't know. It's very adult content um, for sure, because it's dealing with the murder of someone's wife and things like that. But um, I love this film and I hadn't seen it in years. Um, and it just came to me as we were trying to, you know, figure out some of the great movies um, during, you know, we're gearing up for Oscar season and, and films that were solid um, that stand the test of time. And, and this definitely does um, because it, it it it's 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 both like nostalgic of the early 90s but also this could be set uh almost today um given a lot of the stuff that happens and the way in which um 
it's it's filmed you know you um you really get that um the dynamic between these two characters is really special and like i think that that's something that um is why it's continuously on uh, you know it's con it's continuously on some of these top hundreds movies especially certain certainly movies that are based on true crime um or uh, you know these these kind of detective chase films um mm. this is one of the best because it doesn't it takes itself real seriously but it has kind of the um the acting prowess to back it up yeah for sure yeah um i'd mentioned it kind of at the top to me this feels very very much um like a like a mid-90s film but you you could see it kind of playing out in any and any sort of time period, it's very timeless in that there's nothing really that kind of sets it in the early 90s other than just the way that the movie feels. And um, the director, Andrew Davis, did uh, a lot of movies like this that are of the same kind of um, uh, same kind of, uh, I don't know, a feel and and look and aesthetic uh, kind of these kind of like softer like action uh, type films. So he did stuff like um, Under Siege and he did A Perfect Murder and Collateral Damage. Um, you know, they're, they're kind of um, kind of like these action films, but they're action adjacent. They weren't like the big, like over the top action films. They were kind of these more toned down a little bit more um, kind of, kind of personal stories within, within those things. And that's what The Fugitive kind of is to me. It's, uh, it's an action film, but it's really more of kind of a personal tale of these two characters. And um, yeah, it's, it's just really great. And you know, in, in a year that it was never going to win any of those awards, I think that it's still pretty top praise that um, it got nominated for those. It did, you know, you know, very well. It made a lot of money at the box office. And obviously, you know, we're still talking about it, uh, you know, 30 years on. So uh, happy 30 year anniversary. Maybe it'll be back in the theater. Maybe we can go see it in the theater this year sometime, uh, Michaela, for the anniversary. I don't know. But uh, that is The Fugitive um, in a nutshell. Um, it's a really great crime drama. So make sure you go and check it out to make sure that you mix up a manhunt to have while you're watching it, because it is a really good accompaniment to the movie, I will say. So uh, mix up one of those, take pictures, and you can send those in to us on our Instagram and Twitter and Hive. It's at drinkthemovies and on facebook.com slash drinkthemovies. If you want to see pictures of ours, uh, episode recaps, uh, find out about all of our other uh, episodes that we've we've done and all the other recipes, you can do that on our website, which is www.drinkthemovies.com. Um, if you're into getting some bonus content and supporting the podcast, patreon.com slash drinkthemovies is where you want to go do that. We're doing bonus episodes. We've got a lot of fun Oscar stuff uh, coming up here over the next six weeks or so as we watch a thousand movies and uh, try to keep them in any sort of order. And then, right. you know, we'll be doing our full Oscar deep dive on the main show, you know, like we always do. So uh, keep an eye out for that. And um, I guess probably the best way to follow along with us is making sure that you're subscribed to the podcast uh, where you're listening right now is a good place, but where else can they do that? Michaela, you can find us on Apple podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, good pods, near pods, anywhere where anchor podcasts are distributed. Um, we do two drops a week. We do our lobby bars early in the week, and then we do uh, these deep dives uh, later in the week. And um, we'd love it if you join us. We're really excited about the community we're building. It is Oscar season. I mean, we keep talking about this, but there, there's something like 55 movies out there that we got to watch and talk about. Um, you don't have to watch them. Uh, you can just listen to us talk about them if you want. Um, and uh, listen to us talk about all the drinking that we're doing. Um, there's a lot of, really, <laughs> that's, that doesn't sound great. Um, there's a lot of really great cocktails out there and uh, we just really are humbled to be part of the community that shares the love of movies and cocktails together in one place.
That's right. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, like you said, Michaela, we have a lot of movies to watch. And next week we are doing one that's getting all of the Oscar uh, praise. Uh, this one's going to be uh, Best Animated Picture, uh, almost guaranteed. But that is Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. We're going to be back talking about uh, this week. Have a really fun cocktail for that. And like I said, make sure to check out our Patreon if you want some bonus episodes. We're doing the rundown on all 10 uh, Best Picture uh, nominees. As soon as we're able to see them all, we're going to be putting out a mini episode for that. So make sure you're over there following along with that and uh yeah michaela the fugitive manhunt cocktail um i think that's pretty good so uh what do you think yes i think that's a great idea all right well we will see everybody next time on drink drink the movies, the movies. why don't you think me up a coffee and a chocolate donut with some of those sprinkles